Hi, this is John Kennedy from uh, NJMEP. That's the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program. And, and this show is called Manufacturing Partnerships and Making Waves. Uh, the waves are usually positive ones, although we, we got a Purdue Boilermaker uh, you know, fan right now with us. So uh, I'm not sure that that's going to be exactly true. We'll see yet. Uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio, uh, you know, created this uh, this media, uh, if you will. They're a manufacturer in both uh, New Jersey and North Carolina, and decided that the industry needed a voice. And what's really great is that uh, we have a tremendous voice when you look at the MEP National Network, which is made up of 51 of us, all the states in Puerto Rico. And what we're trying to do is get some input so that we can look at it from a variety of different, uh, you know, different aspects. Uh, you know, we've got uh, we've got a really good uh, guy. He's he's not Dave Snow. He doesn't look like Dave Snow, although the haircut is the same. But Aaron, you're 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 over at uh, you know the Purdue uh, MEP. Uh, they are based there. And a lot of uh, Aaron's background is, is very similar to mine in the sense that we, we have a lot of ISO background and things of that nature. Uh, so Aaron, I'm gonna throw it over to you and give a little bit of uh, input about uh, your job over at, uh, in Indiana and, uh, and what you guys are doing. And then we'll get into a couple of questions. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, John. Appreciate it. Um, appreciate everything you guys do there. Um, just a quick shout out. Um, during the pandemic, you guys helped us out immensely with our return to work guide, along with the Washington MEP. So I know Kelly Weger with us worked hand in hand with your guys' folks. So uh, kudos to you guys, and we greatly appreciate the, the helping hand you guys gave us. Um, second up, boiler up. So we, we got to put that in there. Even though we lost, I'll still say boiler up. Uh, so I've been with uh, Purdue MEP for, it'll be six years come this January. Um, again, so like you said, my background, I got, I have kind of a diverse background. I started off my career in, in um, machine shops. So uh, I eventually learned in program CNC machines. So I, I ran a lot of five and seven axis CNC machines you know, anywhere from making carbide end mills to making connecting rods for, for, for large engines for Caterpillar. Um, totally jumped ship. Uh, then went into pharmaceutical, worked for, for Eli Lilly for a number of years, did a lot of different things there, project management. Been involved with ISO since the, the mid-90s. Um, uh, and then uh, continued that through, through different jobs that I've had. Uh, helped a couple of companies with their ISO actual certifications. So one of them was a medical device company where uh, I helped to build their 1345 and they're not. A lot of difference in quality. Currently the senior services manager of management systems and standards. That's just a big fancy word of saying that I'm the quality guy and I, I, I help our clients with kind of all their quality needs. And uh, I do a little bit of everything, some, some project management stuff, lots of great partnerships, um, not only with third party folks, but with other MEPs like yourself uh, and, and hit the road and with a lot of clients just 
at the end of the day, driving impact and helping them make more money. So obviously, as you well know, that's our mission, right? Is how can we drive impact for our clients so that they make more money, they, they hire more people, retain people, you know, start making some investments. So it's it's probably the best job I've, I've had and I'm absolutely loving what I do. And just so, so glad I had the opportunity to come and work for, you know, an organization like MEP and, and NIST MEP. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I come from background of owning my own companies and didn't even know MEP existed. Uh, but we're lucky to have people like you, Mr. Ramsey, that uh, and Dave Snow, I tease him a little bit, but uh, he's he's a hell of a center director and, and is, is, you know, set a great path that we all can follow. Uh, you brought up medical device and you brought up, uh, you know, the ISO and so on. And quality programs. And uh, it's, it's an area I'd like to stop uh, and focus on for at least a little bit here, because it's so absolutely critical to any industry, you know, any sector in manufacturing is quality. But let's be absolutely real. real. It's 100% needed in medical, medical device, and so on. And I know that you have some, you know, some stories about uh, you know what has happened over the last year and a half and how you've expanded some of that. So why don't you give a little bit of background on both what what uh, the ISO program is that you focus on and also you know how you guys used it over the last year and a half to help companies grow. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, you know when when they first hired me on you know five and a half plus years ago. Um, at the time, our, our core business was Six Sigma and Lean, and, and we were in quality. So one of my goals when I started was, is how do we bring quality to the, to the surface? How do we help clients? Because you're 100% correct. You know, ISO 9001 or 1345 for medical device or AS9100, this is critical type of stuff that these small to medium-sized companies have to have to be able to compete. You know, not not just here in the United States, but even abroad. So, being able to have somebody with the ability like us here at Purdue MEP to be able to come in and work hand in hand with these folks, teach them how to fish, and help them build their QMS systems. Again, whether it's ISO 1345 for your medical devices or or 9001, to to be able to do that for them over the the course of you know six months or so, give or take, um, it, it, it's the impact is huge. So I'm sure you guys see the, the same kind of results with the NIST surveys as we do. Typically our biggest impacts that we have for clients are something that's quality related, specifically when we do implementations, right? Um, they're usually very large impacts, you know, within that first year, but even carrying on year after year. Um, it, it, it enables them to be able to do business that they never would have been able to do before or, or go after projects and, and, and do RFQs and, and, and stuff that they wouldn't have done before because they have that. Um, back up a year ago when, when all of COVID started, um, it kind of threw a monkey wrench in the way we do things, obviously the way you guys do things, but really it really threw a monkey wrench for our, for our manufacturers you know, here in Indiana and, and around the country. Um, 
So one of the things we had to do right away is figure out how can we still help our clients. Um, so one of the things is, is we're, we decided that we had to go virtual. So one, one of the key things we did was um, we changed over 95 plus of our services to a virtual setting. One of those being how we do implementation. Um, originally, when we first started doing that, so we decided that, hey, let's take a step back when we do some sort of an implementation for an ISO or quality standards. You know, how much of that do we have to do on site being with our folks there at the companies and how much can we do remotely or virtually through WebEx or Teams or, or Zoom or something like that. Um, so starting in, in the first part of July, we, we got the okay here at our center that we can get back out on the, on the street, so to speak, and, and start helping our clients. So kind of from the April timeframe to July, we were doing it virtually. So we're trying to help with procedures and different type of training stuff. And we were kind of waiting for that opportunity when we can go face-to-face -to, -face to do some of the other finer uh, training aspects that we do when we're in there helping them. So we decided um, once we started doing that, that we figured out that we can really do a lot better bang for our clients' bucks if, if we do a hybrid method. And, and we really started working hard on how can we do some virtual stuff for our implementation and then also on-site there with them. So, you know, especially after COVID and, and everybody kind of got back to work, um, it was all hands on deck. So our normal in-person visit with a client is an eight hour day. Well, we, we started finding out, well, we can't spare these folks to be with you for a whole eight hours. So what we started doing, we, we took a look and we kind of started outlining how about we break this up into two or four hour segments and we do this stuff virtually and then we only come part of the days on site so that then we're not pulling these folks so often off of the floor and, and we can just dedicate, okay, we're going to do one day a month this, this month where we're there and, and now all you have to worry about is them being, being off the floor for eight hours. And it's worked out great. Uh, our, our clients absolutely love it. Um, it, it's, it's easy to schedule now, especially when we do the virtual stuff. So we just set up time blocks. Hey, we're going to be working with the purchasing folks. We're, we're going over, you know, the purchasing process and what, what it is that we have to do with that. So we can set up those blocks and, and we can just kind of roll it throughout the day. So we can still do a whole day's worth of work, but we're doing like two hour segments with specific people, depending on what processes and things we're training folks on. So it, it's really, really helped us out is very, very beneficial to our clients and, and they absolutely love it. Yeah, I like the way, you know, I mean, you, you brought up a great point that, uh, you know, this was, uh, I guess, pushed by a pandemic. But what we found, like you, is that some of this stuff makes a great deal of business sense. Uh, you know, so being able to do certain things virtually you can't do everything in manufacturing virtually, just right. not just not the reality, but there are things that you can. And if you can break up, you know, so that somebody's not off the floor, you know, for a full day, uh, you can reduce that negative impact. Yeah, there's a positive to the education and to the training, but at the same time, they got product to get out the door. So I like the way you guys uh, approached it. In fact, in, in conversations with Dave Snow, 
you know, we tried to take some of that, uh, a, you know, a step uh, further in the sense that we've tried to use that with some of our workforce development programs and stuff as well. Uh, again, you can't do everything virtually, but you certainly can lay lay a good foundation. So, uh, you know, I think that's really good stuff. Now, I know too, Aaron, that you guys were doing a lot, you know, and it, we call things a lot of things, supplier scouting, et cetera, and so forth. But to me, you know, I'm an old engineer. We, you know, it's, it, it's called your supply chain. And, you know, we saw some incredible impacts to our supply chain over the last couple of years uh, for a variety of reasons. And I'm not just talking pandemic. Uh, we had issues uh, with tariffs and so on. And you can argue politically whether it was a good thing or not thing, but in all honesty, what it did show us is that we have gaps and weaknesses. How have you guys looked at that and tried to be more proactive with your with your clients? So um, again, with the pandemic, it, we knew that the system was partially broken before, um, and everybody just didn't have time to fix it, right? So, you know, the, the pandemic forced us to take a step back, and it, it was the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. But but now we're working with our clients, and, and we're going in there and helping them do some risk assessments and looking at their supplier scouting. Um, we have a, a service where we can go in there and help them with how do you approve and find you know, good suppliers? How, how do we audit suppliers? How do we look at the future and, and, and kind of say, hey, where's our weaknesses? And where's, where's some of our, our, our at-risk areas? Um, and then we go out and, and help them find those suppliers. Um, you know, we, we kind of had an ad hoc type of, of supplier scouting before. We just didn't know we did, you know, where, you know, if I was with a client, I was like, you know what, I have another client. I ought to hook you guys up because I think they can help you out. You know, they, they manufacture carbide in mills. You guys are a machine shop. Let, let me give you their information. But that's kind of the, the only step we did. So it, it didn't really transition past that. And we didn't do a good job of following up a lot of times either because we had other things to do. Um, but, but with the, the, the start of this and, and, you know, with the, the MEP national network kind of standardizing this process for us, um, which I think is, is one of the big things that's helped myself and, and our MEP center along with others is they give us kind of that road to go down that standardized process. But then also, you know, number two, they, they provided a way for somebody like myself after I've expended my, my, my area here in Indiana finding a supplier that, hey, I have 50 other MEP centers that probably have a supplier that I can look at. And I have an easy way now and standardized process of presenting, you know, what's my needs and, and specifications that it's the same way every time. And it's easy for folks like you to go out and find somebody there in New Jersey that, that might be able to, to help with heat treat for a client of mine. So um, we are now really, really working hard towards that and, and really fundamentally pushing that to our clients and saying, hey, there, there's help out there. Don't try to do this on your own. Let us help you find that. Let us help with this process and, and, and drive impact for you. you know, th this is something that's, um, it's not gonna go away. 
I don't know that it's going to get any easier anytime soon, but, but as we work on this problem and we start standardizing the process that we're doing as a whole um, and, and building some great databases, uh, I think it's going to get better and eventually we might be able to halfway level up. Yeah, Maybe. well, as I said, I think that, you know, there was a lot of great stuff that was going on. And, and I think we proved the, a tremendous value for the national network because we were able to, you know, connect with Indiana and Wyoming and California and Rhode right. Island. And, you know, the, the struggle we all had, though, is we all used different databases uh, one way or the other. And that's that's something I've been working on for, uh, I guess, about five or six years now, trying to get, you know, uh, some type of bill to support a federal data, you know, national database. And I'm getting there. Uh, we, Senator Menendez from New Jersey and has, has a bill out there that uh, has been looked at by NIST MEP. And it, and it would, it would put us better on the same platform so that each of us would be looking at similar things so that we could work better together because uh, you know Rob Stramara from my office did a lot of this stuff and he'd get a call from somebody and they'd say hey do you know who anybody who makes this and then his team would be digging around and trying to find and we had some some that we knew right off the top some we didn't we have 11,000 manufacturers here so you know you're you can't memorize them all I tried uh, but it was really, you know, if we can get to there, that that would be phenomenal value because in a second I could call you up and say, hey, Aaron, who makes this? And you could tell me three companies. And, and that's that would be, I think, the next step for our national network. But we'll see where that goes, right? Now, we were talking a little bit about a, a national supply chain and so on. But what I want to do is, is that anybody that's listened to this before, we've, we've done what we call the fast five questions. And Aaron, what I do is I have five questions, I ask everybody the same thing, and just looking for your, your natural uh, quick answer to, to what you think it is. So okay. number one, is manufacturing in the USA dead? No, absolutely, it's, it's the furthest from, uh, it's, I would say it's more alive today than, than ever, especially with everything that's going on with trying to reshore things, uh, the, the, the issues we have with China. Uh, no, manufacturing is, is alive and well, for sure. Number two, your opinion. Do you think the U.S. economy can thrive without manufacturing? Absolutely not. No. Um, I mean, if you just look back in history, look at the Industrial Revolution. I mean, manufacturing makes the world go around. So without it, you know, we're in trouble. Number three, again, and this is just, you know, your, your feelings off of it, you know, why do you think it's such a struggle for us to convince our respective governments, federal and state, of the value of this critical industry? Uh, I think we've just strayed away from what we were really good at for so many years. Um, and, and, and for whatever reason, we, we've taken a focus on more of the academic side of things and, and trying to push folks to all go to college and, and not go to trade schools. And, and you know, I, I think 
we have to get back to showing them. And, and I really think that the whole supply chain um, and, and lack of workforce is really opening their eyes now. And hopefully this is gonna help with that, that problem moving forward. Yeah, and, and also what, what the value of some of this. I mean, the fact is we're not producing engineers either. So, yeah. you know, and that, that's a college degree and we're not producing enough of them. You know, my wife would disagree with that, that statement because <laughs> she has one pain in the ass that, you know. Uh, number four, outside of workforce development and staffing, What's the number one issue for manufacturers to overcome? Uh, well, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot is supply chain, finding suppliers. Um, I mean, right now, the, the biggest issue is, I mean, we see it, microchips. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. You, you go to a grocery store now, and you're still seeing a lot of empty, empty shelves. So, you know, the supply chain right now, I would say outside of the workforce and having people, which is directly correlated to why we have some of our supply shortages is the supply chain itself. That's, a, that's an excellent point there. Number five, are we gaining ground fast enough? I mean, I would always say no <laughs> as a quality guy, but uh, I think we're starting to pick back up speed. Um, um, you know, we, we slowed down a lot. Um, our, our economy definitely took a hit, but I think the great thing about the United States is, is we get knocked down. We've been knocked down a lot, uh, and, but we get back up. And, and we're, it looks like we're starting to learn from some of those mistakes, and, and we're trying to make things better. So I think we're, we're, we're picking up speed. How about that? Um, I don't think we're up to speed yet, but we're definitely accelerating, um, and, and we're moving forward. So we're not going backwards. Uh, that's a good point. I, I do worry about this because, you know, in my 30 plus careers in the industry, you know, we always would go through these bumps and we'd sort of get our way through and then we'd go back to business as usual. And uh, yeah. I'm afraid that we, we can't do that anymore. Um, I, if this pandemic and et cetera, didn't teach us some things that, you know, I read somewhere, Aaron, where 95% of our our uh, blood pressure medicine was being made in China. That's a big you know, that and and like fifty percent of us are on some type of blood medicine. It just and I sit there and I say that's just bad business. You can call it what, and I'm not saying whether it's China or whether it was freaking uh, Great Britain or wherever. You know, you never single source, and yet we're doing that, and probably with a lot of things. So. Yeah. That certainly makes me nervous, you know, when we talk about this stuff. Uh, and, and, I, and that goes, yeah, that goes back to the question you asked me before, you know, the whole risk and risk evaluation, you know, I'm hoping what we've learned out of this is we have to get back to and do more of our risk assessments and risk evaluations as it pertains to the supply chain. Because if we were doing a great job at that and doing what we should be, we wouldn't have that high a percentage of, of our blood pressure medicine, medicine being manufactured in China and shipped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I'll finish up today. You know, we've been talking with Aaron Ramsey over at the, the Indiana MEP at Purdue University. And uh, Aaron's focus uh, on a lot of things is, is the quality aspects. And people don't realize that, you know, 
they want everything to work. Well, it's people like Aaron that help uh, help companies make sure that it does work. And it's people throughout the MEP national network that, uh, you know, kept things going forward during this last year and a half. Uh, so I'm very proud of the work you guys did and uh, pleased to be your teammate. And we'll, we'll end it on that note. This was making uh, uh, manufacturing partnerships, making waves. And uh, besides our computer glitch, we made a few good ones. Absolutely. And, and, and again, thank you, John, and, and the rest of the New Jersey MEP Center for, for having me on and, and uh, putting my face up here instead of Dave's, I guess. You, you said I'm a little better looking, so I'll take that as a compliment. So, But, but all, all realities, thank you very much. I, I greatly appreciate what you guys do because, again, that, that partnership is alive with, with folks like you and all the other MEP centers. So um, you know what? People out there, reach out to your local MEP center in your state. We can do a lot of good for you. So, so please, please do so. Good point, and thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.